You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. On fourth and five, Jones steps up, takes off, he's in! Touchdown! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. Usually with me is Mike the Cranky Fan. Um, he's he um, a little little too much into the eggnog tonight to do a show. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually the one who's been drinking. Uh, he he's on the road, and so you know we kind of said that we weren't sure how we were going to do this. There's a possibility of going solo, so this is a solo episode. Just the grump all the time. Um, so these are usually short because I don't have anything to bounce off of anyone else. So I'm going to kind of run through the upcoming game. Um, there's not a whole lot of news that's happened between the loss to the Browns on Sunday and now. Um, everything kind of remains the same. You know, Jason Garrett, um, he is on track to return Sunday but remains a question mark um, we may see Freddie Kitchens again he he as in Garrett has been in uh, pr- practice meetings via Zoom he is still isolated from the team as far as has been reported as of Thursday Christmas Eve um, you know not much has changed the most the most important change that we have a definitive level of um, reporting on is that Golden Tate has injured himself in practice. So this is going to be kind of a short episode. We're going to kind of go where. I'm going to go through a couple of things and you guys are going to listen or shut this off because you're a bigger fan of Cranky Fan than me, which is completely understandable. But nevertheless, it's Christmas Eve. It's actually eight minutes to Christmas morning, technically, as I'm recording this. And so, uh, Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate it, and happy day off for 99% of the people who don't, and for the 1% that have to work and don't celebrate Christmas, I'm sorry you have to work today, enjoy your slow day at work, hopefully, um, you know, I don't really know, maybe, maybe it is a busy day for you, I'm not really sure, but either way, happy holidays in general. For all of your December and early January holidays. Um, as I said, I've been drinking Jameson for some time now because the Grump is on top of his football homework and really, really lazy with his Christmas shopping. And actually had to do some Christmas Eve shopping today, which means elbowing people at Target, etc. Um, but this episode is a preview game of about the Ravens game at 1 o'clock. This has nothing to do with my exploits and adventures at Target for wrapping paper. Um, That said, there's a game at 1 o'clock on Sunday in Baltimore, M&T Bank Stadium. I don't understand why so many banks have stadiums. It's weird to me. Um, Baltimore's a good team. Um, I mean... You guys know this. They're 9-5. and five. They have one of the premier quarterbacks in the league, if not by traditional standards, at least by star power standards. I mean, he's the cover of Madden guy. He's 
He's everywhere, and he's electric. Um, Cranky fans saw him in college. Before he was drafted, we had an off-show conversation about Lamar Jackson. Um, and, you know, he had been to a Louisville game. I don't remember why, because I don't think Florida played them. But he had been to a Louisville game down pretty low towards the field, I think, too, and said that it was just clear that Lamar Jackson is the fastest guy on the field pretty much at all times. And in college, I mean, just superhuman. Um, but that's a key, right? So one of the things I was kind of watching, and I, I watched several Baltimore games this year. I, I watched two. I rewatched two. Um, their most recent victory over the Jaguars, which was a um, thorough spanking. And um, their defeat to Tennessee. And um, one of the things that's clear is just um, it's a speed game. And a lot of it is predicated off of Lamar Jackson and Dobbins. You know, whenever you have one speedy guy, having a second one at quarterback really just confuses the issue. That RPO stuff works so much better when a dude is just incredibly fast, like Lamar Jackson is. So one of the things that's kind of key is keeping everything inside the numbers on the field. Keep everything as close to the hashes as you can. Um, that means that cornerbacks have to be at the line of scrimmage and disciplined. I mean, like it, it, it's a disciplined game in general. <clears throat> it's, it, it's kind of one of the most overused and underappreciated things about the NFL game is discipline. Um, the RPO game, as a general rule is assignment football. Um, if you're doing your job and not trying to do too much, the option play, the RPO, is mostly useless. Uh, it, it doesn't really work. It takes a tremendous effort by one of the blockers or a tremendous fake of some kind to get people to over... It's all about overcommitting. Um, when you have speedy players, even at NFL level plus speed players running it, it's just that much less of overcommitment that's needed to get you out of position. So this takes supreme discipline. It just means everybody in their gaps. Don't try and make the big play. Just do your job. Force everything to stay inside always. Keeping contained is the number one thing when it comes to these stretch plays. Um, and the reason is is pretty simple, right? I mean, where are the majority of players lined up? It's in the middle. So out on the edge, speed will always win. If you can keep speedy guys from getting to the edge, it forces them to have to do extra human efforts to get something out of it. And that's kind of what we saw in the Tennessee game. Um, that was one of the things we saw in the Tennessee game. But, but in general, a lot of Jackson's ground game is speed. I, I'm not one of those people who thought that Lamar Jackson would not be a capable or very good quarterback in this league when he came out in the draft. Um, I thought there were some questions about his rawness as a passer, but not certainly not ability. I mean, he just, in my opinion, needed to land at an organization that would actually develop him and not try and gimmick him. And Baltimore, I think, is a good place for him. 
I was actually surprised. That was not one of the teams I had expected him to land at. But whatever. Nevertheless, is still at this juncture, what the ideal situation is, is to force Lamar Jackson to be a passer. And that's not a discredit to his ability. It is... Um, I think it's just the nature of what Baltimore has on offense right now. Right now, they have built around this speed game running the ball. They don't have a whole lot at wide receiver. The number one clue that you don't have a lot at wide receiver is signing Des Bryant, who feels like he's 48 years old right now. Um, but really, uh, you know, you want to force... Lamar Jackson to have to throw. And the further outside the numbers you can make him throw, the better. Um, and I think that's kind of what Tennessee did to, to some level of success. Um, the Giants should have James Bradbury back for this game. He was not in any way sick or testing positive or, or whatever for coronavirus. For those who didn't follow the story, um, I assume that is zero to zero of you um, he was just using a chiropractor outside of team facilities that also worked with other other NFL players that chiropractor tested positive and because of the close exposure he was forced to land on an NFL mandated list that would keep him inactive for five days regardless of any testing so that just made him ineligible for last week he is eligible and practicing now um, and we can expect him back um, his job will be primarily, I would think, to shut down Marquise Brown. Um, that's not to say that the likes of Willie Sneed or even Duvernay or Boykin are, are to be ignored. Um, those are all capable guys, but... To me, Brown is the guy that you're going to want to kind of lock down. I think that they'll play. I think Patrick Graham will probably play some level of mix and match. A lot of this defense is going to be disguises. You know, Lamar Jackson is a little bit behind. He's he's a young player, so again, this is not a knock on Jackson, but he's not a super polished defense reader. Um, he's very big at reading what's right in front of him and not what might happen as are lots of rookies. Um, and we've seen that, you know, even players like Russell Wilson that I think are very good at understanding the game and what is a fake and what is disguised and what's actually happening, all this film room work, even they were kind of confused at times with Patrick Graham's defense and the way that the defensive players are selling things. Um, so, I, you know, I don't think he's going to travel uh, I don't think Bradbury's going to travel with Marquise Brown. But if Brown starts having a field day, expect Patrick Graham to adjust you know, to that. Um, my bigger concern for this game is uh, tight end Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is an unassuming guy, <laughs> but at the same time is not only a good blocker, but is an, a big play tight end. Does not get talked about enough. Uh, but very good at finding soft spots and zones, stretching the field, adjusting to the coverage, adjusting to throws, great hands, just has a very good feel for receiving. The kind of thing that I'm not even sure you can really teach, but just kind of comes with uh, 
experience and and versatility, I guess. He is a big part of this offense. And um, not that I don't think Patrick Graham and the likes can defend it. You know, I, I have a lot of confidence in guys like Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, even Xavier McKinney. You know, for the limited amount of reps he's had so far, has looked like he belongs. Um, but I'm just in terms of people who who bother me. Willie Sneed, you know, kind of makes me nervous. But Mark Andrews, I think, is going to be the guy that eats us alive if we let him um, outside of the running game. But Lamar Jackson. In terms of he, he he likes to take ch- when there's a deep shot called he likes to take it even if it's not there uh, to his own detriment and I think that's a little bit of young quarterback syndrome I think it's young successful quarterback syndrome um, you know when things are going right for you it kind of feels like you can do no wrong and there's there's nothing wrong with taking chances and letting your receivers do the work um, that was basically Eli Manning's claim to fame I mean. He made receivers put up big numbers by giving them a chance to be the player that they could be. You know, he if they had single coverage, he trusted them to come down with a catch. And sometimes it would give Eli big interception numbers, and other times it would give him big yardage totals. Mostly, it won them games, and that's kind of what Lamar Jackson is trying to do. Um, but I think he overdoes it sometimes. And uh, that's something that can be had, especially if he's forcing it because the offense isn't doing the big chunk plays that he is so used to getting out of this offense. Something important that I think I should mention about their offense is that um, they're a little banged up. Their center, Matt Scura, is banged up. Um, He is a limited participant in practice. Maybe he was full. I don't know, but he's been fucked up for weeks. Um, so even if he's a full participant in practice, don't expect him to be 100%. But a center is a big deal. Um, also, I would say that DJ Fluker, former Giant, former Charger maybe? I'm not sure. But DJ Fluker is is having a, um, a year that maybe he would like to forget. He's not playing so well at right tackle. There are ways of getting to Lamar Jackson, and I expect that. Patrick Graham is going to try to employ something similar to what he employed against Kyler Murray. Now, we can say that against the Cardinals, the Giants' defense didn't do so well at stopping them, but they really prevented Kyler Murray from running all over the place. Now, as a pure passer, I think Kyler Murray is much better um, than Lamar Jackson. I think that he has better placement. He throws a tighter spiral. He's better... In tight windows, he's better at throwing on the move. I, I I just think that Kyler Murray is a better quarterback right now than Lamar Jackson is. Um, I think Jackson's faster. I think he's better runner. Um, but there's ways of shutting that down, and one of those ways is hitting a quarterback. I mean, if you can if you can nail him enough, perhaps he'll think twice about running. But throwing the ball, you know. That defense against Kyler Murray may not have stopped at offense, but it certainly stopped Kyler Murray from running all over the place. And if they can stop Lamar Jackson from running all over the place, that is that is a big point in their favor. They don't have a DeAndre Hopkins on this team. They don't. Um, you know, at this point, Des Bryant is a possession receiver. I'm not as scared of this receiver group as I am of Arizona. 
So it's it's going to be possible. You know, right now a big thing is going to be is Darnay Holmes going to play? Um, those of you who have been listening for a long time or follow me on Twitter know that I am a big fan of Darnay Holmes. So far this year, he has super impressed me. I don't expect fourth-round picks, especially at the corner position, especially at the slot corner position, to step up and play as early as he did. And not only did he step up and play, he stepped up and shut guys out for the most part. Um, In the slot, quarterbacks haven't even been trying for most of the year. Um, when Darnay Holmes has been out with the knee injury that he is currently working his way through on a limited basis in practice this week, um, that's been a spot where we don't have a next man up kind of thing. And part of that is because, I don't know. I, I mean, part of it is just because this team isn't very good depth-wise. Um, this team is rebuilding. They have a decent set of starters that need some upgrading in other spots, but there's not a whole lot of depth anywhere on this team, um, particularly defense. But yeah, I don't know. The, the, so when, when one person goes down, that becomes a position of weakness for the most part. And uh, without Darnay Holmes, we've struggled where we haven't all year, and that is the middle of the field and um, you know the slot guys. You know we saw situations where last week Devontae Downs is kind of in coverage all alone and just completely lost uh, where I believe the defense would have been altered a little bit had Darnay Holmes been active Um, so if Holmes can play we'll be all the more set up to stop this offense Um, but the basics are if the Giants can clog up the middle lanes and force Jackson to throw outside one on one They can handle this offense, but they can't let the speed get around the corner, and they need to keep close tabs on Andrews. Um, Now, offensively is a whole other story. I mean, a lot of stuff is up in the air here. Golden Tate has suddenly become injured. Um, I know Giants fans love to pile on Tate because, and it's fair, he has the big contract, and he doesn't produce much. He's never been a separation guy. But what Golden Tate is good at that I would say the other receiver no other receiver on this team is particularly good at perhaps Sterling Shepard but Golden Tate is very good at contested catches he's never needed separation in his career because he's got good hands he's good at positioning his body correctly he's good at holding onto the ball there's no bobble in there um, he's good at high pointing it he makes the most out of his body size he's when it comes to one-on-one balls, I would rather have Golden Tate on the receiving end of it than any other receiver on this team right now. Uh, so that is a big deal. Um, I know Giants fans think that he needs to be upgraded, and they're not wrong. They're not wrong. But right now, it's not the time to upgrade something in the middle of the season, you know, or while the season is ongoing. Um, the other thing, I mean, real big one, Daniel Jones. Is he going to play? <clears throat> Jones is still nursing hamstring from a couple weeks ago. Still nursing an ankle from a couple weeks ago. Uh, a week ago. One week? One week. Um, two weeks. Two weeks ago. I'm sorry. That was the Arizona game. Um, he's been practicing on a limited basis. I'm thinking that he plays this game. Um, theoretically speaking, the playoffs are on the line. 
I'm thinking he plays this game. Uh, as a pure passer. Okay, so let's get into it. So the other thing is, is Jason Garrett going to call the plays? I don't know. Uh, this virus, basically the one thing I've been able to glean from March until now about coronavirus is that we just don't know enough about it. Some people react really poorly. Other people don't react at all. Some people are super contagious. Other people are not. I, I, I have no idea. Some people have long-term effects after. Some people just recover. Some people have no symptoms. It's very difficult to make any estimation as to what a player's status is going to be. Now, coach, the one thing you just that you have is um, they're not exerting a whole lot. I mean, I'm not worried about Jason Garrett getting winded on the sidelines and it affecting his performance like I would Darius Slayton, you know, obviously. So there's that. Um, right now, I'm going to say that Jason Garrett is not going to be calling the plays on Sunday. It is Thursday night. He hasn't been at practice yet because he hasn't tested negative I'm going to assume that over the next three days, he will not test negative. Um, we have not heard that he, quote, feels fine like we often do with players who are testing positive. Um, we often hear players say that they feel okay, they'll be okay, and you know, as soon as they're, they can't wait to get back or whatever. I haven't seen that report that Jason Garrett has said that he feels okay, which means I think he's hiding the fact that he feels like dog shit. So... Being that it is so late in the week, and not that he hasn't been in meetings or, or that he needs to be extra prepared or anything, I just don't think that he's going to test negative in time, and I think that Joe Judge will just go with what is working right now, what, they, what they've practiced, and that is Freddie Kitchen's calling plays. So I'm actually going to guess that Daniel Jones plays, Freddie Kitchen is calling plays. Now, if you ask me, that is about as good of a situation as we can hope for. Um, I don't know whose decision it was, and I'm not going to assume anything, um, to call plays like they did in the game against the Browns. But getting into what I was going to say is um, there were plays that the players left on the field last week. Too often this year we've seen conservative plays where the worst time for a wide receiver screen, you know, the, the worst time for um, for stick plays, for stick routes. I mean, we have, I wouldn't even say the worst time. It's the worst play design where we have five receivers and all of them run stick routes. Um, the primary read can't be a stick route 90% of the time because defenders just sit on it, and that's what has happened. I mean, it's made those plays so much harder. And that would work a little bit better if we ever ran like a hitch and go or something, something to make defenders not play so aggressively against it. Something to make them stay honest about a deep threat, but we don't. I haven't seen it, not, and if we have, we haven't done it consistently enough to make it happen. Last week against Cleveland, there was a concerted effort from somebody's perspective, whether it be Jason Garrett or Joe Judge or Freddie Kitchens, to be as aggressive as possible. And part of that was because defensively, they didn't feel that they had the tools necessary with James Bradbury out and Darnay Holmes out to stop a Baker Mayfield offense 
from completing passes and just carving up the field. And that's 100% what happened. So they were aggressive. They were trying to score seven instead of three every time they made it into the red zone. And that's fine. Um, they didn't. But the reason they did it, I don't think had anything to do with play calling like we've often seen this year, where we're just calling the wrong plays, or maybe the, the play design is garbage, or maybe it was execution. These were all 100% on execution. Like Colt McCoy threw, I want to say, three touchdown passes that were all broken up because he throws rainbows. He throws grenades. Too much arc, too much air underneath them. Throws some lasers. Some of the, some of the placement's a little off. I mean, he had guys running wide open in the end zone. Evan Ingram was one of them. I think... I think Slayton was another one. I can't remember. But these guys couldn't make catches because they're open and they have to slow down for the catch and the defender gets there by then and it's, it's all ruined. Daniel Jones is a better passer than Colt McCoy. No one will argue with that. Um, if they call those same plays, if they get those same looks, I have more confidence in Jones placing a dime than I do in McCoy. That's not to say McCoy can't do it. What I am saying is that the play calling didn't feel like it was at fault for... Uh, not scoring points on Sunday. Um, James Bradbury not being available felt like one of the reasons why we couldn't stop the Browns on Sunday. It felt like if Jones were healthy and Bradbury was healthy, healthy, that would have been a much more competitive game. Cleveland and Baltimore are not built the same way, but I feel the same way. If we're going to be aggressive then this is the time to do it. Now, Cleveland, I don't think, has very good secondary. And that is what it is. Baltimore, I do think, has a very good secondary. However, we see that Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peters have not practiced yet this week. Now, if both are out, we are looking at Marlon Humphrey and who exactly? 40-year-old Tremon Williams, maybe, to defend the likes of Slayton, Shepard, Ingram, um, our pro bowler, Evan Ingram. So this is the time. You know, the other thing is that Martindale, sorry, Ravens defensive coordinator Wink Martindale uh, really loves to bring the blitz. And he likes to disguise blitzes and then make it come from other. And one of his favorite ones is to throw dog blitz. Uh, uh, sorry, a gap pressure, show a gap pressure, and then drop them into coverage and bring a corner or a safety off the edge instead. Um, it's going to come down to Jones or whomever reading the defense, um, understanding that because blitzes, believe it or not, is your opportunity to take shots. It leaves guys one-on-one. It leaves hot reads, open zones. You know, a a blitz or a dog pressure uh, will always eventually have the whole field covered. But because of the disguise, because of who is dropping into coverage, it's not conventional. It's not meant to get there the fastest and be the most efficient. It's meant to put pressure and force mistakes. Um... So while the whole field does eventually get covered, immediately there are holes in zones and there are guys in one-on-one coverage. That is opportunity, always. The key is to know where the pressure is coming from, to know where the hole in the zone is going to be and where the one-on-one opportunities are. So my hope is that 
now that we are in week 16, that there has been plenty of film study on this defense to know what the pressures are going to look like and where the openings are going to be. Um, sadly, this is the kind of thing that I would trust Colt McCoy a little bit more with, and that's simply because he's been here longer. Colt McCoy seems a little bit more comfortable in, I don't want to say the offense because that's not really right, but just, just in calling the plays and understanding the whole play and what it's trying to do. Whereas Daniel Jones, I think, is still kind of learning the game and learning the offense at the same time and thinking a little too hard about what he needs to do and where everybody's going to be and not so much uh, this is how the play works and therefore if this happens, which is what it looks like is going to happen, that means that that's not going to work and then I'm going to have to work over here instead and work through my progressions that way. It looks a lot more like Colt McCoy does that at the line, Daniel Jones a little bit less. And that's okay, that's forgivable, because he is a second-year quarterback who has played just over 20 games. Um, so that's that. Ability-wise, you know, I'd be happier to have Daniel Jones here. Um, Mentally-wise, I think Colt McCoy might, might work better against um, Martindale's offense. But I don't think that they stand a, a slight chance with McCoy against this defense. Um, this isn't Seattle's defense here. Um, this isn't even Cleveland's defense. This is a good defense. Judon is very good. Ngakwe, very fast. Um, Calais Campbell is hurt, but if he plays, I mean, the dude's been doing it for fucking like my whole life, it feels like. Um, Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, LJ Fort. These guys are all very good. Brandon Williams, my God, man's a monster. Um, Justin Ellis, Derek Wolf. I mean, this is this is a good front couple. Um, Marlon Humphrey, really good on the outside, really good, and and is really good at coming down by the line of scrimmage and making tackles. But that's not to say that there is an opportunity here. Um, It's going to be tough, and, and there's a lot left up to chance right now. So, you know, when I look at it, this game, I think, is going to be surprisingly close. Um, not to mention the Giants need to win out at this point. They have a Hail Mary's chance of making the playoffs if they lose this game. But they have a, I would say, 50% chance of making the playoffs if they win this game. Winning this game is everything. They needed to split with Cleveland and Baltimore. That They were dealt a very unfair, shitty, luck-of-the-draw hand last week against Cleveland. The more winnable game, you could argue, with Daniel Jones being out, Jason Garrett being out, James Bradbury being out. I mean, their linebackers coach, Brett Bielma, leaving for college to, to coach the University of Illinois. I mean, how many, how many more people have to be out? I mean, do we have to go to our wide receiver, practice squad wide receiver to play quarterback like Denver did? Um, but that is what it is. It is what it is. The pass is the pass. This is this week, and they're going to have to figure something out. So this is the game they have to win. Now, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than other people think. I know that Baltimore can put up 40 points regularly, like they did against Jacksonville and probably against Cleveland too. I don't fucking remember, but... I think this game is a low-scoring one. I think that Lamar Jackson... Lamar Jackson, if we can stay disciplined on the edges, 
is going to be rendered mostly ineffective. We're very strong in the middle. You know, I know that he's difficult to tackle. I know that he's really fast. But Leonard Williams is playing at a Pro Bowl level, even if for some reason he's totally sub- snubbed. Dalvin Tomlinson, you know, is making a case for himself to be re-signed to this roster next year. Besides that, Dexter Lawrence is a top 20 pick from the other year. He's been playing excellently, even if unheralded in the middle. You know, Blake Martinez also in the middle, um, playing at a Pro Bowl level, snubbed also. I don't understand that. And then on top of that, Tay Crowder, incredibly athletic, incredibly fast, even if he's operating mostly on instincts and guesswork right now. You know, there's athleticism to cover up mistakes. Um, so I think that there's some level of advantage there. Um, it's going to come down to discipline. Um, and I think that that's going to prevent a lot of point totals from rising. Um, like I said, there's a lot of variables in this game, so I don't really know. I think that the final score of this game is 24-20. I'm just not sure who scores what. If everything falls the Giants' way in terms of availability, right? Like if, if Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peters are out, Clayus Campbell is out, if Daniel Jones is in and Darnay Holmes is in and and Freddie Kitchens is calling the plays or whoever is calling the right aggressive plays is in, then I think the Giants can win 24-20. It's certainly possible. This is not outside of the realm of possibility. But if some things start falling apart, you know, Marcus Peters is able to play and, you know, he shuts down Darius Slayton or Sterling Shepard, whoever, you know, just completely eliminates one option for Jones. You know, if if Calais Campbell can play and he's constantly getting pressure and Ngakwe, you know, I'm really worried about Ngakwe coming off the edge against Fleming. Um you know, if they, if they start getting pressure on there, it could easily be a catch-up game. And uh, I could see this is Baltimore 24-20. I'm not going to make a prediction. That's my score prediction. I don't know who wins. Maybe I'll update it on Twitter Sunday morning when we know a little bit more about this game. So be sure to follow me on there, at football underscore grump. And the Cranky fan has not given me his prediction. Like I said, too much eggnog. So be sure to follow him on Twitter for his prediction as well, at the Cranky fan. Real quick around the league, one of the reasons why I say that the Giants have a better chance of making the playoffs if they win both games, because Washington has a legit chance to lose to Carolina this week, and if they do, then the Giants just have to win out. They just have to win against... They're going to have to win next week against Dallas no matter what. But winning two games, Washington only winning one, Giants are in the playoffs. End of story. So, that said, I think that Carolina beats Washington next week. I think that Washington's a little fucked up right now. I think Dwayne Haskins sucks. I think he's playing like shit. He's obviously doesn't have his priorities straight. He's going to strip clubs. It's a mess. That organization is kind of falling apart. And Terry McLaurin is not practicing right now. It's a big deal. Um, And I think that Carolina upsets Washington. On the flip side, Dallas seems to be finally getting it together. Philadelphia is still a fucking mess. I think Dallas wins that game. I think things start to fall in the Giants' favor. However, just like I said about the Giants and Baltimore game, things could. Fl- I'm not super confident about, about either of those decisions. I can easily see Washington winning, and I can easily see Philadelphia winning. So I'm going to say both of those wins, Carolina and Dallas, are in pencil for me. Again, the cranky fan, 
Too Much Eggnog did not give me any predictions, so be sure to follow him on Twitter at the Cranky Fan and me as well at football underscore grump. I promise that there will not be too many solo episodes like this, but there will probably be, not even probably, there will definitely be solo content from the grump myself in the future, so stay tuned for any updates. Um, as always, this show can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, whatever. It's also on Twitter at Just Giants Pod, so be sure to follow it there so that you guys can get these episodes the moment that they're uploaded, which is like five in the morning. Um, so yeah, we appreciate you guys listening. I hope you all have the most fucking wonderful holiday. If you can't stand your family, then I hope you have the booziest holiday you can have. Just sneak in the corner, pop some headphones in, grab a drink, listen to this show, listen to other really great giant shows. There's a lot out there. We do not claim to be the best, even though we absolutely, at the top of every show, claim to be the best damn podcast or the best damn football team. Um, man, really backed myself into a corner on that one. Doesn't matter. Not important. The important thing is that the holidays are here. And the Giants still have a shot at the playoffs. And it's not far-fetched either to win two games and, you know, division rival lose only one. This is a typical (laughs) um, scenario uh, for a division race at the end of the year, even if the win totals are not typical. So, fuck all the noise about how good or bad or Dave Gettleman or Joe Judge or John Mara or whoever. Forget all that shit. Enjoy your Sunday. Hopefully we guys get to see a Giants win 24-20 to against Baltimore so the Giants can win and my prediction can be 100% right like it usually isn't. And um, we will watch it together. I'll be on Twitter at football underscore grump going through every single play with frustration and glee. And I hope you guys all have a very safe and wonderful holiday. And we will see you all Sunday. Go. Giants.